2022 motherfuckers and we're kicking off with an episode called ring the changes have you made any new year's resolutions what are you going to change have you broken any new year's resolutions it's already the third of january so you've had three days to fuck up now because this time of year is all about change and reinvention like me today's guest has had quite a few jobs before getting into stand-up in his case when he was 31 in mine a wee bit later. My past lives include working on Camden Market, driving an ice cream van and being an underage barmaid. And his include a variety of call centres, pub landlord and bulb factory production line worker. But we're in good company, me and him, because Harrison Ford used to be a carpenter. And in fact, he was fitting a door on set when George Lucas asked him to audition for Star Wars. And Matt LeBlanc was also a carpenter before he got into Friends. And the person who designed Barbie was a former engineer called Jack Ryan, who had previously worked on guided missile systems. In 1980, he sued Mattel for non-payment of royalties and ended his relationship with them. He was right to go after them because last year alone, Barbie generated over $1.3 billion in sales. Are we? Do, are we? Is this the podcast? That's my guest today, Paul McCaffrey. Before he became a billionaire, not Paul McCaffrey, someone else, Roman Abramovich ran a company that made plastic ducks. And Samson started out as a grocery store, while Lamborghini originally made tractors. And here are a few other before they were famous careers for you: Danny DeVito, hairdresser; Jay Z, drug dealer. Victoria Beckham, sperm on roller skates for a BBC sex education show. Whippy Goldberg, morgue beautician. John Hamm, set dresser for porn films. Ozzy Osbourne, slaughterhouse worker. And Christopher Walken, lion tamer in the circus. Can I just quickly check this voicemail? Is that okay? Sorry. I'll... Paul McCaffrey is a comedian and actor and one of the most booked headline acts in the UK. He's appeared on major tours with Sean Locke and Kevin Bridges, playing to over half a million people in arenas and theatres. And he's also been the support act for Michael McIntyre, John Bishop and Lee Mack. His TV appearances include Live at the Apollo, Impractical Jokers and Russell Howard's Good News. And he's the co-host of the Brit podcast with George Lewis and the brilliant hit podcast What's Up Set You Now with Sean Walsh. Paul and I talked about bands, eyesight, babies, podcasts, comedy courses, Sean Walsh, obs, age, acting, good gigs, bad gigs, podcasts, San Francisco, the 90s, The Office, drinking, and of course, jobs before stand-up. Oh, and we did record this one, by the way, just before Christmas, so there is a bit about that as well. But I started by asking Paul how many records were in the vinyl collection right behind him. (laughs) 
a few thousand. A few thousand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what sort of thing? What sort of thing? Well, I mean, all sorts, really. So let's just have a look at, like, I mean, pick a couple of randoms. Go and take a couple out. I want to see what what comes your way. Well, I mean, that's sort of quite specific. But so, well, let Are me you just try to avoid look. pulling out Agadoo no, at this point. No, not at all. I would be happy to pull out Agadoo. Okay. So, like here, we've got so Rubber Soul by the Beatles, kind of obvious. Af yeah. African Head Charge, Songs of Praise. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Thorne, a distant shore. Uh, nice. Woodst Woodstock, the you know the soundtrack or whatever the, the from the film. Um, stereo MCs. Uh, I, I tell you what, um, uh, the Durati column. William Onyeyabor. Do you know him? He no, like I don't. A, I wouldn't even of, know how to spell that, let alone find it. He's now in politics, but he kind of had a couple of songs that were in adverts. It's sort of. Um, uh, yeah, he's Nigerian. It's kind of like lo-fi, um, sort of Afro-electronica or something, they would call it. Yeah. Wow. That's quite uh, a hybrid. It's quite a hybrid, yeah. And then sort of factory record, a lot of factory records, sort of a lot of dub reggae, punk, electro. Sort of, so a lot of, there was kind of, um, I listened to a lot of electro in the sort of early noughties. I'm a big Andrew Weatherall fan, do you know who yeah, he is? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I have a lot of his sort of stuff and stuff that I was kind of turned on to through being a massive fan of his. I don't know why I'm looking at them like I'm going to be able to read them. I'm scanning <laughs> no, them. No, yeah, I'll tell you what, you, if, you, if you can read them, you shouldn't be doing comedy, you should be a, a spy. As something. you get older, yeah. though, you do get better at seeing things in a distance. I've got yeah. better chance of seeing your no, albums my... in Winchester than I have of seeing a, a sort of a menu when it's here. Yeah. No, I'm the absolute opposite. My my eyesight kind of, uh, yeah, I, I, unless it's there, I can't see it. I well, you'll see... find, Paul, take this as someone a few years older than you, you're going to find that that's going to do a little switcheroo. You'll still have the problem with not being able to see what's in front of you but then you'll also need different help with things because you won't be able to see you'll need reading glasses basically well I went to have my eyes tested because I started getting a bit blurry when I was driving seeing road signs and kind of yeah, stuff I've like got that. that as well yeah right and so he but he said that basically I've got perfect 2020 vision um, I, 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 sounded, I started that as if I could remember exactly what he said. Yeah. That was that was kind of what I took away from it. That was it. the but headline. That was the headline. But yes, um, he said, yeah, it was, it's going to get sort of harder to see. So like, for example, if I'm watching football, I can't see the score now on television. So I'm having to kind of like go closer. I should wear glasses to watch TV. That's a I little should... bit of a detail, key detail, isn't it, really, when you're watching football? I can Absolutely. see the whole thing, it's not the score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that, you know, kind of like I go and watch a lot, lot of bands. And now kind of if I'm not sort of at the front, that can be a bit difficult to kind of sort of, you know, see what's going on. So I don't want to cast aspersions on the ophthalmic trade in Winchester, but I'm going to say get a second opinion because that's someone so? with 20. I don't think, I mean, I wouldn't want you flying a plane at the moment, to be honest, with what you're describing. But from what your <laughs> said, you'd be able to. So, I'm yeah. Just yeah. I listened to um, yours might have been the first lockdown parenting hell podcast I listened to. Oh, I know gotcha. it wasn't the first one, but I think yours might have been the first I heard. And you literally, mm. this was in the summer, right? And your baby was. Yeah, May, yeah. And you just, the baby had just been born, hadn't she? Yeah, it was about wait, 10 days, maybe two weeks. I can't, yeah, I mean, I don't really remember doing it. It was that, that sort of thing that I can remember um, health visitors coming around and saying, you won't remember any of this. Like, uh, and, and I can just remember the person saying that, but not a lot else, you know, that kind of... 
um, period of, yeah, sort of not being blackout drunk the first sort of four, you know, more, first couple of months of sort of like the baby arriving, just like a complete blur. And it's good because you won't get blackout drunk again for quite a long time now. So now, now that you've said Well, goodbye, no, I've, so, I've actually stopped drinking completely. Yeah, I'm sort of coming up on a year sober. So. Why have you stopped drinking? Ah, uh, because I've, I, I, yeah, have always been. Put in a good this. account of yourself and you think. Well, I don't know, put in a, a bad account of myself, <laughs> probably more likely. But, you know, yes, yeah, so I've, I've tried. This is my third attempt, but I feel, I, I, yeah, hopefully this one will stick. 100% so. like no drinks. So yeah, yeah, not, yeah, 100% yeah. no drinks. So for you, it's shit or bust, is it, with drinking? Yeah, absolutely. Once yeah. I start. I so did your baby, because I was I was interested, because my I had my kids in my 20s, so I had them young, and by the age you are mm. now, don't be jealous, but I was pretty much an empty nester, so I was having my yeah. second youth, where you are now, and you're just going into... Um, yeah. you're just going into this whole thing now. So yeah, what's, yeah. what's I know you don't know what it's like to be a dad when you're young because you weren't young when you had yeah. kids. Yeah, what's yeah. it like having kids in your 40s? Well, what I'm saying is that you absolutely knackered and fucked the whole time. I am. I've also been, you know, sort of working quite a lot. So that, you know, it all sort of happened in May when sort of, you know, our work came back. So it's kind of, I think that's been the hardest thing. There's been a lot of plate spinning and it's kind of, uh, it's not quite sort of fallen how it's going to fall yet, you know, um, with regards to, um, I'm sort of, I've been taking every sort of job that I've been offered just because we've been so used to not working and then you're kind of like worrying about it going away. But, um, yeah, I mean, into, am I knackered all the time? I mean, also as well, I suppose, where I kind of got, you know, sort of got sober or whatever, then there is a kind of energy that comes with that. So I'm, you know, I'm not as knackered as I was anyway. Anyway, do you know? You know? Yeah, yeah. So you basically traded a newborn for kind of enormous <laughs> twittedness. And yeah, it's about exactly. the same yeah, yeah. in terms of net effect. Did you think you would have kids then or was it a bit of a surprise to have I kids? I had hoped so. It's been a long, you know, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not no, no, no surprise about it at all. It's That's what I'm getting long. at. I'm like, did it, was it a really boring lockdown? You'd run out of sourdough, you know, yeast starter and you were like, we're going to Something do along this those now. lines. No, it's something we've been sort of trying to do for ages. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's been a long journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's a happy, a very happy thing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. the best thing that's ever happened to me without a shadow of a doubt. You know, it's incredible. She's amazing. It is incredible, isn't it? It's, it's the amazing. Best. She's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. And obviously, Christmas is coming up. It's kind of gives oh, it her first Christmas. Time. Her first Christmas. And she's kind of like, you know, it, it, yeah, it's just, it gives everything a completely different, um, you know, puts a completely different spin on things. It Actually, definitely no. does. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely, it's really weird getting to this point of no, you, you spend all those years feeling so needed by kids. And then when they go, you're like, it's too much when they're there in terms of, it's relentless, isn't it? Much as it's yeah. lovely, there's no ducking out of it. And then when they go, you realise, I thought I'd, sort of dodged a bullet because I'd always had you know kind of big jobs and career and I'd, I'd and I'd traveled the world my whole life for my work I thought I'll be fine I'm totally got an identity that's not a mum which yeah. I do but my god it it hits you in the guts when they go it's really difficult yeah um and yeah so I mean we, there's always been sort of kids around at Christmas nieces nephews and stuff but it's going to be amazing for it to be sort of yeah our first kind of proper family Christmas, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it the first one? So there are other grandkids, are they? This isn't the first grandkid for your parents. Yeah, no, my, uh, my sister's got two little girls, yeah. 
but it is a weird thing isn't it do you find now because your stand-up a lot of the stuff you talk about is kind of it's observational but not always personal it's personal to you in terms of your relationship with the thing but with it's not world, always yeah. personal about your like this is what my home life's like or this is what yeah I'm like. I don't know I don't like yeah I've, I've yet to do any stand-up about it it's not I don't I don't whether I will or not I don't know I mean I'm sure inevitably at some point something will happen you know in that kind of it's not something that I'm avoiding by choice. Just, just kind of like that's that's just what I do, sort of thing, you know. And the two things that came out. So you had a, a baby came out of lockdown for you, and your yeah. podcast with Sean yeah. Walsh came out, which has become a massive thing, right? What's upset? What's it's that, doing all right? Yeah. Been, what's upset? What's you upset now? you now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's yeah, it's doing really well, isn't it? Yeah, it's going all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to quantify, but it seems to be it sort of seems to constantly be in the sort of charts or whatever like that. So um yeah no it's been been all right <laughs> for, for a minimal amount of effort it's only 15 minutes long which is uh that was genius that you decided to do that was that because you thought everyone's like I haven't got time for another podcast so we'll slip well in partly that uh you know partly and I have to say it was Sean's idea but it was just kind of like yeah he just said oh, I think you know short and 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 it seems to be sort of paying off and I think it definitely for that reason where people have got their podcast now haven't they it sort of feels like Oh, well, I already listened to, but oh, it's only 15 minutes. And yeah. So, yeah. I think That's how we... you got me in. Also, I love the fact both of you, um, I mean, I think, Sean, you can be quite a sort of, um, I don't know if it's fake anger, but you can wind yourself up on stage and it is really funny. But Sean is the kind of nth degree of that, isn't he? That he's in a perpetual sort of spinning around with his hair falling out with fury at the world. But the two of yeah. them together doing it, it's a, very nat- it's a very natural fit for the two of you, isn't it? It is, and I think someone sort of summed it up quite uh, nicely. Where it's sort of Sean does comedy about how stupid everyone else is, and I do comedy about how stupid I am. And I think yeah. it, it, it sort of that um, is, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much the nail on the head. So while we are somewhat similar, and I've known Sean, we kind of started pretty much. Did you both do Jill Edwards? Because he did Jill Edwards yeah. course. Yeah, so yeah, did you. We Were you on the yeah. same one? He was the one behind me. Okay. So I did the first one that she ran in uh, Brighton, and it's kind of it, it ran like you know school or college terms or whatever. So he was the one after me. So I've, we've kind of known each other from the the get go, as it were. Because you got into stand up, I got into it at forty five. You got into it in your early thirties. I was thirty one when I did my first gig. Yeah. And do you? Because I've got a theory that that you. I mean, there are brilliant stand-ups who start when they're, you know, in their teens and 20s. But there's something to be said for having had some a stint of actually working other jobs. Don't I you think, think there really is. Yeah, because you, you were like, I was in kind of effectively, I was in sales. I was in telly, yeah. but it was on the business side. And you too were in kind of like pubs, call yeah. centres. Uh, all of that sort of stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And kind of, you, you, you know, humour was a bit... chat. Exactly. That was a yeah. big part of my yeah, kind yeah. of thing. The whole way through, you know, I ran a pub in uh, London. London in the sort of uh, kind of mid to late 90s which was a lot of fun and it was you know, there was regulars in there and it was you know it was um, I'd always have a laugh with the, the, the people that drank in there and um, yeah I, I think it's a, it's a shame I do feel like that that sort of when I started it was a lot more common for older stand-ups to be kind of, you'd see them on TV and stuff a lot more than I feel like you do now. Yeah, it's harder, whether, isn't it, being a bit old? Although you've done, yeah. you've done your share, you've done some good bits of telly. Done I've done follow. some bits of telly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm not complaining, but I just feel like it, 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 it's definitely, there's been a shift away from that. 
Definitely. And especially you know, for bloke, I think, you know, being a being a white man of a certain age, the odds are not really stacked in your favour, are they? Well, uh, yeah, probably not. In terms like, of getting know, telly at the moment. Of, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, I, I certainly feel like when I kind of first started watching comedy, it would be people a lot older than me that I would be watching. Do, do, yeah, do you know I what do I mean? Know I, don't, I don't really ever remember sort of watching um, people in their early 20s doing doing comedy ever, for, you know, for, for me. I mean, maybe like Peter Kay, actually, I suppose he was he was sort of young. But he didn't uh, seem young. I think the people who were no, young weren't, didn't seem like young Kevin, guys. Kevin, obviously, Kevin yeah. was young, you know, he was, he was, but again, you know, you could sort of attribute the same to him. He's kind of like a... Kind you of know. ageless in a way. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and do you have? Because I think um, if there's something, well, one of the things is people say to me, "Oh no, but you know, you've got people like Joe Brand, and they name it." And it's like, yeah, but they've been going. I think names yeah. who are names and have been going forever will still be on screen. But it's re- it's definitely really hard to break in on screen as somebody older, even though we're the age. Nobody much younger than us is watching telly anyway. So if if you want to know who's watching actual telly, telly, yes. it's not it's not the young lot, is it anymore? So. It's in a definite kind of, I don't know, state of flux is the correct word, but, you know, I feel like, I think it's going to take a couple of years to sort of see the che- what the change is. You know, yeah. certainly there are people that are kind of doing really well online. And I don't know what viewing figures are, but like, I don't think that we're probably going to really know. Podcasting in America is a huge thing, you know, like, for example, yeah. um, you know, you've got people like Bill Burr, who who does three podcasts. He's someone that you would go, well, he doesn't really need to be doing a podcast. Yeah, and there's yeah. obviously a reason that he is doing yes. that because yeah. there is a value to it. Um, yeah. and, then, and Mark you know, Maron's done his What the Fuck podcast. He's done like over a thousand episodes, I think. Incredible, and he gets yeah. massive, you know, President Obama, George Clooney, he's getting everybody in onto his and so I think in this country, we're just starting to see that kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, there are obviously people that are doing really well out of it. And um, so, um, yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, I, that said, I mean, there is still good stuff out there, but it's, 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 I mean, this isn't, this isn't me criticising the state of TV, but it's just sort of, you know, I think it's probably kind of harder to find stuff now that you, yes. I really enjoyed Mae Martin's sitcom. That was sort yeah, of, yeah. Um, I really She's thought brilliant. that was, that was yeah. fantastic. Um, that was the kind of last, I quite like uh, the Copfields as well, you know, Joe yeah, Wilkinson's yeah, yeah. thing that, that yeah. yeah, those are probably the two that I've watched in, in the last year that I've really sort of, um, but it's just so much and it's sort of, yeah, I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Because the thing you watching you do your stand up, I mean, you're you you pretty quickly. I wasn't gigging when you started out, mm. but it seems like you pretty much took to it, landed running, and did pretty well as a you're quite a natural stand up. And certainly watching mm. you in clubs, you're you know a popular headliner for a reason. But yeah. you also do your. I, I interviewed Kerry Godleyman for one of these um, a couple of weeks ago, mm. and she like you, I think you both got that capacity to as well so because you're good actors yeah. you can you can land I can imagine when you're doing new material you've got the capacity to deliver it in such a way that it's funny anyway because you'll act it out and piss about and people will go with you is that is that true I think sometimes um well, <laughs> that's definitely not always the case I think I also have the capacity to do new material <laughs> to absolute silence well, no amount of also, mugging off is going to no, no 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 <laughs> I also have the capacity to sort of like turn up at a new material gig and then as soon as I walk over the threshold go this isn't material 
do you know like do where you, you go, stick like, with it though because at that point i wonder if people like you who are much more experienced than me do you make yourself do you, are you like well i'm here now i'm bloody well doing new or do you fall into i'll do a little bit of crowd pleasing because i can't bear to nah, not really i live in winchester so if i go to london for a new material gig it's pointless me going there and doing all yeah i'm going taking a night out of my life to travel to london you, so you're you know. gonna do new yeah, I mean, I suppose probably what I've maybe... I, I Actually, that's something that I've not really gotten back into the swing of. I've kind of been running a few gigs sort of over lockdown in friends' beer gardens and stuff like that. So, uh, And Zoom gigs, you were able to sort of do quite a lot of new material and all that sort of stuff. So I've not kind of got back into the new material nights yet, which I, if I do Edinburgh next year, which I think I probably will, I'm going to have to do. So I've not... But I think when I was sort of last doing them, I definitely got to the point where I could sort of get through one, even if it went badly, just by kind of going, I can't, but, you know, commenting on, I can't believe I even thought that was funny or whatever. Because that's definitely a technique, and that's one of the things I noticed someone said to me, I can't remember who I was gigging with at Top Secret, but someone quite big quite early on, and they said to me, when, you, when you're having a bad gig, kind of do don't do the kind of oh you know the sort of turning on the audience but slow down and have some fun and still inhabit the gig because I think the temptation when you're new is just to rattle through the material and go this is awful they hate me I'll get through it whereas yeah. if you actually pause and take some time to be in the room then you can sometimes get it back again can't you absolutely and I mean I think you know I'm definitely guilty of that at gigs when I'm nervous is to kind of like hurry up and you know that's the old saying isn't it I don't know who it came from but I've heard Al, you know Al Murray saying it if you think you, if you think you're going too fast slow down and if you think you're going too slow slow down is it yeah yeah yeah, yeah that kind of thing and especially um, if you're naturally a fast thinker and a fast talker and you yeah. realize the sort of stuff that makes your mates laugh down the pub when you're on a kind of really fast-paced rant because they know you um yeah. and then that's like oh that's typical Paul or that's typical Kelly you realize in the in, in a club they're not going to give you that in the bank that you're our mate and we know you do something like that it's more you've got to generate that feeling haven't you from yes but I definitely think as well in lockdown where you know obviously we sort of work on antisocial hours and we're kind of you you know you don't have much of a social life doing this and you're just around comics and stuff like that I feel like that period where we first sort of uh locked down and there was all the kind of uh whatever they were house zoom you know all of the kind of online drinks that we were doing with our friends and stuff and sort of being around my friends again I definitely feel like I kind of got a bit funnier yes than I had been stuck in the rut of just turning up at a club doing that there are moments where I'm just like oh god I hate this set yeah yeah you know yeah and then I I wrote more in the first six months of lockdown when we were doing the zoom gigs that's probably the most I've ever that's probably the most stand-up I've ever written is that because it's really interesting you say that because I always used to, I think a lot of us get into stand up because we're the funny one, right? And yeah. our mates aren't surprised when we say yeah, we're yeah, yeah, stand up. Yeah. I've never been less funny socially than since I've been a stand up. Oh, I've never be been like... less funny full stop since <laughs> I started doing stand up. And that's what I mean. When we locked down yeah. and I was sort of got into that, I felt like I was as funny as I was before I started doing stand up, which is not how I feel. And what's yeah. that about then? Do you think, because I, I definitely noticed before I do a gig, if I'm in quite a sombre, why do I even exist kind of a mood, I tend to have a really good gig. So I'm seeing the oh, Christmas well, weekend at Comedia, and I was yeah, like, that's... why am I? I was feeling so kind of like, you know, sort of grinchy about the whole thing. And then on stage had an amazing, but it's almost like the energy you need to sort of steer the ship on with 500 absolutely pissed Christmas people in a big club. You need, everything's got to come into the room, right? You, you don't want to be sort of, you know, spunk in the mother load before you even get in. I think as and, and I, that that is the eternal kind of riddle for me. You, you you know I've had those sort of journeys where you know 
like four hour in, four hours in the car ruminating on something that's sort of going on in my life. Like, fuck this, I've had enough. And then, you know, like you say, you get to the gig and then have the best gig, come off stage, feel fine again. You know, conversely, I've you know, in, in a good mood, had a run of good gigs, turn up and then, you know shit the bed uh, uh, um and it's a weird alchemy it, isn't it, it is. really, yeah it and is. it's like i play i play golf and golf is the same sort of thing you, you know you have to round of your life and think you've you've cracked it and then you know you turn up the following day not that i'm playing golf with ronnie corbett but you know like uh, um you're taller you know, than ronnie corbett I, well yes <laughs> but i'm not 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 by much but yeah um and so there is, yeah, there's definitely like a science to it. There's a, uh, Gary Delaney recommended a, um, so they call that the, 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 a state of flow, I think it's called. Yes, yeah. Uh, um, I can't remember what the book was called. He recommended it to me early on when I started out. And it, it's kind of about things that you could do to increase the likelihood of that happening. Now, I just think that I've been doing this a, a long time now, I can say. You know, I kind of, um, I haven't had a day job since 2010. And I've done a lot, you know, I'm someone that likes to gig a lot. So I think the, the margins have got narrower in the mm -hmm. time that I've been doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not to say that, that like bad gigs still do happen, but I think they are less likely, really. Um, Is that about turning, uh, one of the sort of mental notes I always make, I think as you've done it for longer and I'm six years in, so much newer than you. Mm. But nowadays, if in the beginning when I had bad gigs, I would know exactly why. I'd be like, well, you fucked that up or you did that. Nowadays, it's a bit more subtle and I can have a gig that doesn't go well and I come off and I'm not quite sure why. And then usually the thing I happened upon was that I wasn't completely present. So if there was any bit of me that was too oh. much in. And, and so now the last thing I say to myself, and I think that's why I love emceeing, because it's so much less about material. Mm. And the one thing I tell myself before I go on is just turn up. Literally take a minute when you get on the stage, turn up, look at the room and be present with those people. And if you forget every bloody thing you thought you were going to do and do something different that's fine which is yeah. an MC yeah, is yeah, yeah. fine yeah, and I, I honestly think that's why I'm looser as an MC because all I'm doing is working the room as opposed to trying to be too crafted and is yeah. that something do you you know that state of flow that is all about being present isn't absolutely it? have you watched the um the Gary Shandling thing the the, uh, I forget what it's called, the Judd Apatow. Oh, yeah, like the, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's all about that kind of just being open and kind of, yeah. yeah Turning and, up. Yeah, and like when, you know, when you're sort of in what you're saying, and I mean, that's an act, that's an acting exercise, really. Because you sort act as the, well, right? Did you do I acting? trained as an actor, yeah. Yeah, that's what a, I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Namaste, motherfuckers. What stage in your life was the training as an actor? So I had sort of, as uh, I, I was running this bar, I'd moved to America. Um, I left left uh, the bar and kind of... Uh, Where in America? To, Where did you move? Uh, San Francisco. Oh, lovely. That's yeah, my yeah. favourite, favourite place yeah, in America. Yeah, it's a good place, yeah. yeah. Um, and sort of then um, kind of went for a break up and moved back to, to Winchester, which is where I grew up, having yeah. left. It was like a cool bar that I was running in London. It was sort of at a good time. And it, yeah. You know, had a so you were running of, it in the 90s? Yeah, like 97 to sort of 99, 2000. So for someone like of, you that likes drink and likes music, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And so uh, living in a sort of... Uh, we, uh, we had this amazing townhouse that some friend of friends of ours were living in um, on Haggerston Road in East London. Mm -hmm. um, that's very that's that's peak hipster now. That it was it. just uh, it was it was it was like a three story townhouse yeah. with like an amazing garden garage, uh, it, um, and so, some friends of ours had rented it off these sort of hippie couple that I think actually lived in Cornwall, funnily enough, and it was the rent was nothing. And they sort of forget to take the rent sometimes. You know, one of those kind of sort of. Uh, and you left why? 
the girl, the girl, um, one of the girls I was living with, um, who's uh, sadly passed away, she used to work for Dazed and Confused magazine. Right. Um, so you were so, really in the heart of that oh, whole so kind like, of you know, I'd get to go to all of those parties. We went to their Christmas party one year that Nokia had sponsored, and um, they had Radiohead as the entertainment at their like their Christmas Bloody party. Hell. You and I must have because I was working at MTV at that time, so I worked right. at MTV, MTV most of the nineties. So I was also going to all those kind of parties yeah. and seeing all the kind of yeah and and hanging out with all those kind of like people. Bjork so, was there, Robin yeah. Williams, you know, just crazy. Yeah, I've had amazing, yeah, sort of ended up in bars with like the most, unlo- I remember ending up in a bar with Madonna, Bjork and Goldie after the VMAs in New wow. York. And they were in a bar in my hotel, but like a little sort of vodka bar. And because I used to stay in that hotel once a month for my job, I used to go to New York once a month, the people in the hotel knew me and were like, oh, you know, you probably get into that. And it was literally, there was about sort of 17 of us of whom. Amazing. Three of them were that. But those days when you have though, it almost seems like a dream now doesn't it when we're all living our kind of growing well, it's up another, lives it is another and, it's another lifetime yeah, yeah, yeah you know absolutely is and anyway so so moved over there to move uh, move back to my parents and kind of ended up having to get a job at next over so Christmas. to actually live in your parents so you moved back yeah just to Winchester, so I can't know yeah that was, that was my only sort of you know option at the time so it's just like and it was a kind of and then and I have to say I mean at that time I was drinking like like way too much I think anyone just, would be drinking in that scenario yeah to just be go fair. like what how did that happen how have I ended up back here I've just gone from you know not hero to zero but kind of you know and so I kind of was drinking too much I'd remembered that I liked drama at school and basically uh, then joined the amateur literally joined the amateur dramatics in Winchester. in Winchester to keep myself out of the pub but this was sort of uh you know 20 20 years ago so you were in your 20s I was in my 20s. So, so you'd 20, already done quite a lot, though, to be in your 20s. I mean, nowadays, kids that age wouldn't have left home the first time. So to be fair to you, in your defence, you'd run yeah. a club, gone to San Francisco. Yeah. I've still been trying to teach my kids that age to change a double duvet cover. So, yes. you know, oh, no. I mean, I have lived, I've lived a, I've lived yeah. a, a life. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. know, uh, it, there's, um, you know, particularly in sort of London that time. I moved to London in 1995 to 2000. So, you know, that was peak Really, that was the right of, time to be doing. Oh, what you were and doing, I was living sort of it? in Islington, so Camden was like a ten-minute walk away. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's where I am now. I'm in Camden. You know, you yeah. kind of go into you go into the good mixer on a Tuesday afternoon. You and I will definitely have been in the same rooms, parties, oh, yeah. bars, hundred percent for sure. And so you ended up. So, so the acting is is that? And you said when you were talking about stuff on telly, I was immediately thinking, all right, you're talking about panel shows and stand up. But actually, you're also talking about sitcoms. Is that one of the dreams then for you? Yeah, definitely. Sitcom? And that is something now. I think kind of like I've got a bit of clarity, and you know, it's very easy to get sort of a bit like oh, it, it can feel quite dead end doing sort of stand up sometimes. You know, and, and the, the nature of how my career, if you want to call it that, has been so far. It's been sort of like, oh, it appears like nothing is happening. And all of a sudden, you know, I'll get like a tour support or I'll get... But you're phenomenally you know, successful live, though, right? I mean, you've you've supported Sean Locke, Kevin yeah, Bridges, yeah, and his, Michael yeah, yeah, McIntyre. So. You've done loads of the big names. I've done some support. amazing, yeah. I've got and you've done, the, you've done like the arenas. And, yeah. and you must have got... So So as, a, as an act, mm. you're one of the best there is as a live act but does it not feel like that to you does that not feel like success um yes absolutely I'm very you, you know I always sort of have this conversation where I th- feel like I've, I've achieved enough doing this that if I stopped I could go oh I did that mm-hmm. d- d- you know but um if this is going to be my job for the rest of my life which I you know it, it almost certainly will be I don't mm-hmm. know what else I'd do at this point then I can't 
continue doing what I'm doing for the rest of that. There mm -hmm. has to be sort of other strands that come in and acting is definitely one of the things that I would like to do, yeah. So acting would be one of the things and ideally your own. So do you do, I know I keep comparing you to Kerry Goodman and it's only because I just did did one with her, mm. but do you do bits and pieces? Are you still, are you acting in stuff or going up for roles? Is that still a kind Not of... Not as much, um, but yeah, that's something that I want to push. You know, I've kind of, like everyone, I sort of like, right, I'm going to write that sitcom during lockdown. And I have written sort of a couple of bits and pieces and... Um, yeah, it feels a little bit like now kind of work has come back. That sort of got in the way. And how uh, I think as stand-ups, we were all kind of, uh, we all learned sort of retrospective gratitude for what we do when the lockdown kicked. Yeah, for like, sure. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll never moan about this again. Yeah. I'll never moan about a shit hotel again. And then I want months. to drive for four hours <laughs> yes, and stay exactly. on yeah. Well, yeah, I can it. remember that first drive. I did a drive-through gig in, I don't even remember where it was, Kettering maybe, for um, uh, Adam Rushton. And There's I a remember... sentence you never thought you'd have said two years well, ago. <laughs> exactly. And I can remember, <laughs> I could just remember pulling into the services, getting a cup of tea from yeah. Greg's and just being like, this is amazing. Yeah, I felt the same, yeah. And uh, yeah, that is not how I feel putting it to a Greg's at a service station now. I well, we all suggested too much. I think everybody was like, yeah, sure, I'll drive for seven hours for, you know, 400 mm. quid. It sounds like a great idea. Now, and then obviously when you're planning those nine months out yeah. and then they come up in your diary, you're like, oh no, now my life's actually got back to like having loads of gigs where I want the gigs to be. Why yeah. did I say? I think when it all came back, we were like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I want to go there for the weekend. Well, and there was also these kind of things that were like, oh, right, you know, when it comes back, I've, I've learned a lot. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And I don't know how many of the things that you said you're not going to be doing, you're still not doing. But I yeah, think yeah. Not, no, not, of not, course. Not, not, not many for me. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It's like muscle memory. You go back to your old habits, don't you? Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell's idea of, you know, 10,000 hours of habits. We built up those 10,000 yeah. hours long before the pandemic and they came I mean, flooding back once we got back. I went to I went to drama school. Yeah. It was the upshot of the, the amateur dramatics. I was like, oh, I actually, yeah, I kind of had re re remembered I was like, oh, actually, you know, this is what I wanted to do. The kind of bar thing happened almost by accident, and it was a great kind of party for however many years. But then I was like, oh, actually, you know, I was sort of always into... Sort of, and The Office had just come out, and that, that, well, I think that was such a sort of, like, big thing for so many comics It was in this for country. all of us, wasn't it? Just you know, know, I think and I've said this before, but, you know, that was like the, the oasis of comedy, really. Yeah, I think. wasn't it? Yeah. There are so many people that kind of started doing stand-up as a direct result of that. Yes. I don't think that is mentioned as much as it That's should true. be. You know, yeah. um, that... that there's a lot of comics that are doing stand up because mm -hmm. they watch The Office. And I'm, you know, I watched that. I was obsessed, obsessed yeah. with it. Brilliant. And yeah. then you sort of go, oh, actually, you know, I kind of, um, yeah, to have thought about maybe large, oh, maybe I should go to drama school. And I kind of was 27 and was like, oh, I don't really sort of feel like I've got three years to commit to a BA. Stupidly. I wish I had done because I did a postgrad, which was a year long. And it was only at the end of that year that I started to go, like, oh, I really am starting to understand some of the stuff they're talking about. And I would really so like So you to. wish you'd done the BA? Definitely. Now, looking back, because, you know, at 27, you're like, oh, my God, I'm 27. I need to, you know, but now you look back. At 45, you know, you were young. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I, did in, I did English and drama at Goldsmiths, and it definitely oh, was like a really it. good foundation in a, in a lot of the things I've gone on to use in every type of career since then. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That must have been fun. 
it was really fun. And it was at the time um, when the art college had, you know, Damien Hurst and that lot yeah. were, were doing the art, when the art degree. The blur and, form there, yeah. Yeah. And Ju mm. and Julie, Julie and Clary did my course. He was a couple of years ahead of me. So when I was starting out, he was in the third year and we used to do these like cabaret nights. And I'd, I was, I played the piano and stuff back then and I'd be doing the piano wow. and he'd be performing and it was all sort of, yeah. But then unlike you, I did it the other way around. I started with drama and performing, then just didn't have the self-confidence. I had no self-esteem back then I was massively insecure I didn't right. look right to act I was kind of overweight I wasn't a sort of I wasn't the right look to get the parts and I got my confidence in my 30s and 40s which is why I've gone back to performing way later so I sort of did it a bit the other way around to you or you know what I mean so you were getting into acting and comedy having done other things and I let go of the acting and comedy really yeah. early on and came back to it and you started, so you started doing stand-up at 45? At 45, right? yeah. I yeah. did my See, first that, gig at 45, yeah. And that doesn't seem, it's only you mentioning it like that makes that seem you, you, like a thing, do you know? Yeah. I think it's, at clubs and stuff, people don't realise, they don't really take you. I, I have to say one of the things I struggle with on stage is to, is to admit how old my kids are. So I talk about having teenagers. My kids are 21 and nearly 25. Right. And I don't really know how to say that without alienating. I think like if I'm on a top secret or a young club and most clubs have got young audiences, right? Especially weekends and stuff. Yeah. Not exclusively. Yeah, they're getting younger, I think. They are getting younger. And I yeah, think also yeah. with COVID, the people who don't give a shit about sitting in a room cheap yeah. by jail and other people There was young. a real shock to the system, actually, going back during the yeah. first weekend, particularly in London. Yeah, really young. You go like, bloody hell, you yeah. know. And you're asking them, how old are you? And they're like 19. You know, that, that sort of age is not uncommon. Yeah, and clubs. festivals. I did a few kind of music festivals and over the really summer. And they're really young. Yeah. Oh, my, too young. I was like, almost like, like children, I know. And yeah. then you think, I, how can I... I know you can double down on it and, and piss around and talk about the difference. I know you do stuff about, you know, difference in hangovers when you're in your 20s and 40s. Yeah. And so there's that stuff. But I also think you kind of want to get in by stealth that they're like, you're our mate and we like you before you start doing things where you're saying, actually, I'm not like you. I'm in a totally different life phase. So I slightly worry about, <laughs> I, I don't think they think about it too much. And then a bit later on, I'll start talking about references where I'm, and then I do reveal like, I'm in my 50s. And by then, hopefully there's a like gasp, although increasingly yeah, that gasp is not very big <laughs> i'm gonna have to sound in my 60s now and i go no <laughs> i'm like i'm in my 50s they're like yeah <laughs> yeah you look like my mum so yeah but, but it is um but going into it late because the sort of thing that drives you so if you think about what your career was like and you know ch chasing the kind of i guess hedonistic in a way right so you were chasing the kind of fun and the love yeah. and the drink yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, and yeah. in a way stand up gives us that of course we get the chemical yeah. highs i think there's no coincidence mm. that lots of us have had brushes with if not alcoholism and addiction certainly yeah. addictive personalities i think that's not uncommon for comedians yeah but in terms of now then so you're not drinking you've got mm. you're a dad or a little kid yeah. you're back to sort of working this is a proper kind of real serious job where you've got to turn up and and pay your dues so where do you get that in terms of just your personality then so it's kind of quite a life rewiring you've had if you look at who you were 10 years ago so, yes to who you are now so so what's that like in terms of yes yeah, stripping back some of those things and, and what are you kind of left with um I don't know so so I suppose yeah, there's a bit, part of you is wrapped up your, your kind of identity as doing stand up. You kind of like that. You're sort of you're selling yourself. So that kind of I don't know really. Actually, it's been a change, but I've kind of tried to get. I mean, if we're just talking about sobriety, I have tried to get sober before. So I kind of you know I have 
known what that's like before. Um, is that and, to the level of like AA kind of needing to get sober or something you've done on your own? Or? Yeah, yeah, I've kind of done bits of that and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of know what all that's about. And Because um, that's a really big, I remember dating somebody, I'm trying to work out how to do material about this without being an absolute arsehole, but a guy that I'd known for ages who became my boyfriend when I ended up splitting up with my kid's dad. He was my first boyfriend after their dad. Like this is going back about nearly 20 years. Yeah. And I knew him. I was his agent. Um, I used to, I used to agent people's kind of content and stuff in telly and I was his agent. So we traveled to like LA and Cannes, and we'd been at numerous kind of dinners and drinks and he was the life and soul. He was a comedy producer. He was so funny. When I started dating him, I realized he was an alcoholic. I hadn't yeah. clocked that before. And I said to him, look, I can't, it's not going to work for me. I've dated addicts and alcoholics before. This isn't going to work for me. And he then started going to AA and he said to me, you know, I've always been worried, Callie, that if I if I sober up, I won't have a personality. Mm. And then he did sober up and he didn't have a per- he was very <laughs> no, that, I did not see that coming. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that was I, a horrible ending. And then oh, I if a- that was if that was a film, I'd be like, oh God, what a waste of 90 minutes that was. It's kind of like an anaesthetic in a way, isn't it? Like it's it's partly for the high, but really, if it's self medication, I guess when yeah, people are drinking I, to that degree. And also, you, you you know, it's quite easy to for you to sort of mistake sort of partying, you know, and and uh, like you go, at what point did this cross over? And you, you, you think you, I don't want to get all heavy about it, but you go like, oh, this it wasn't fun for a long time, but it looks like you're having you know you know fun and sort and you of, get rewarded for it socially. One thing I've noticed if you if you say you don't drink, you'll probably get quite a lot of kudos if you don't drink at all because people immediately assume you've had a drink problem and you don't drink and fair play if you drink a little bit but not much people are so opin- you're like a social pariah if you only want one drink everyone's yeah. like another one you know people really don't like it if you're a light drinker yes i mean i've cu- kind of come to sort of this time around to, I, it's not something that i really talk about a huge amount to be honest with you but it's you know i've kind of learned to wear it a bit more lightly i'll just sort of say oh yeah no i'm not drinking i don't drink or whatever and just kind of move it on quite quickly you know if someone wants to talk about it for whatever reason then i'm happy to but like um it's it's not something that i kind of shout about because it's uh, uh, yeah it's just not um I, and also you know i have co- kind of there's stuff that comes with it looking at sort of co- comedy. We go like, oh, perhaps if I hadn't have been, you know, Edinburgh, where I'd been up there for the whole month, just out till five o'clock in the morning. You're like, oh, would that have been different had that not have been the case? You mean in terms of what you, what would have happened professionally? If yeah, taken it more absolutely. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was sort of periods where I was sort of coasted. And I think, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I think perhaps when I did start doing this, I was quite quickly kind of quite... You know, I won't say I was good, but I was capable. You were never you, shit, is the impression I got. I don't, I don't think so, no. Yeah. You, you know, and that's I, unusual, because most of us have a hundred shit gigs, right? And then we start um, to get that. And so, but, that, you know, that comes with its own. So then, you know, I was able to just sort of get by and kind of like, you, you know, you go like, oh, that's a bit, quite a lot of wasted time, really, in terms of what could I have been, had I have been applying myself more. But, um, you know, I'm sort of learning to just kind of let go of that sort of stuff, because it's not healthy. Yeah, also there is something about things, given this is called Namaste Motherfuckers, there yeah. is something about things happening at a certain time in a certain way, that idea that things are as they should be. Yeah, and sometimes absolutely. You, the, the thing, the door that didn't open sometimes means something quite interesting will happen down the line. And you're like, well, actually, if I'd become that person who was whatever I'd have been doing, this thing that's now happened couldn't have ever happened. So, yes, you know, like absolutely. maybe even having your baby, maybe that's yeah. all happened because of how life's played out and yeah, I don't know how exactly. you met your partner or when, but it all, it all happens in the way it's meant to sort of shake down. Do 
you yeah. um this is going to go out uh this will be the first one of the new year so this is going to be going out on the 3rd of january yeah so everybody listening is going to be in sort of new year what they're going to do so you've um what, what is what are you going to are you a sort of new year's resolution person you well historically you know they've always been sort of right i'm not drinking it used to be i'm not drinking for three months that was always my new year's yeah, resolution yeah. So and you've I, nailed that already <laughs> well yes well no do you know what this is the good thing so like you know i i would put it in my my my, my calendar is shared with my agent so they can put stuff in and so like i can remember a couple of years where it's just been like three months of just every day saying no booze no booze no booze no booze and it would become sort of like they're going oh bloody hell just saying that good luck with that you know and then it would uh, inevitably sort of then i'd go oh well i've got to drink this weekend because of blah 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 and then it would be like right i'm just drinking saturdays and then it'd be like right, how I'm long would you last before that before the no uh, booze became a little bit of booze I think I did a month once, maybe. Uh, that was a long, long time ago. But yeah, sometimes it's a week, sometimes not even that, sometimes a couple of days, you know. So, so does this so take back to last nice to be January? Going into... Have you, did you give up last January? Is that when it yes. started? So you did successfully do from last yeah, January but, on? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was kind of quite bad by that point. So it was... Uh, it was a bit easy, an easier kind of sell to myself. So you've nailed really. one of the big ones. So what's going to be? Well, so exactly. So it'd be quite nice to just be going into the new year with like, right, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. It's the kind of new year's resolution, really, in that yeah. respect. Don't get worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, yeah, I mean, weight, that, you know, all that sort of stuff, gym, yeah, you, all the usual suspects. Do you know if that with I'm food? Gonna... I find that I'm also nowadays, that's probably oh. the two the two areas that I channel my addictive personality into or my, or my self-sabotage yeah. uh, is food Eating and boyfriends. Yeah, you probably don't have the boyfriends bit. Just No. Do, no but, just f- food. but food, eating later. I know. Night. Isn't it uh, the know, nicest uh, feeling? And it's just, I kind of know, I mean, I'm at the point, you know, I had a McDonald's the night before last, I was driving back from some gigs in London and, you know, just pulled in and had a Big Mac and six nuggets at like fucking half 12, you know. Yeah. I I, I mean, that said, well, at the time A and B also, I had left my house at sort of six and it's now half, it's probably got six and a half hours. Yeah. You, that's a period of time where you are going to need to eat. But, um, Are you somebody you know. can eat? I can. I can never eat. I was on with. Um, I think Stuart Goldsmith was opening at Comedia, and he was tucking into a kind of full Christmas kind of roast dinner before he went on. Admittedly, yeah. I was going on first emceeing, but I can't eat a massive meal before I don't I can eat the meal before I go on but I don't I feel too comfy on stage, so yeah, I no. tend to need to go on stage quite empty stomached, and then afterwards you are hungry. Yeah, no, I don't have a problem with eating before. Do you I, not? Go. <laughs> I can probably eat while I'm up there now, to be honest with you. So yeah, no, it's definitely the eating. And my my two are the um, eating a bit better and stopping um, mm. reckless dating. I think that would be a good thing for me. So January for you is just doing. And um, what do you want? So what is it you're looking for this year? So it sounds like acting, sitcom, tour. What what are the sort of things that you want? Well. Um, if you're doing a bit of universal ordering, Alan Noel Edmonds, yeah, what, no, what I'd like to. Be I'd like, yeah, a, a, a sitcom. I've, you know, had an idea that I've kind of been trying to sort of get get going, uh, and then I have periods where it's. But but yeah, that that's something that I definitely would like to do, and and you know. Uh, and what about the I, podcast? Are you guys going to start trying to do live, well, live podcasts? Keep, so the yeah. thing, aren't they? They they do really well for people. Well. Well, yeah, we'll keep doing that. that. I think that would be quite an easy thing to put on stage. You know, it's just the two of us. We could sort of do stand-up in the first half and then, you know, audience suggestions for anyone, uh, you know, listening. It's basically Sean and I moaning about, you know, things, little things in life that annoy us. Um, 
and yeah, it's kind of somewhat similar to our stand up, and they're fifteen minutes and very funny. And um, do you try on material? I've been wondering when I hear you two talking. There must be some really good material that comes uh, I've out. I've got of a couple it, of yeah. a couple of bits that I'm going to start yeah. doing. Uh, actually, that I that that, that that I'm like I, I'm going to have to. Uh, people have gone. That's a bit. Like, yeah, it you, sounds you, like it. Often when I listen to it, I think, oh god, there's you've got a good sort of few minutes at the start of something yeah, really, yeah, really good there. Yeah. yeah. So um, I've got one that I'm going to start doing. I might. Try, yeah, I'm, I'm emceeing a couple of gigs this week, so I might try and sneak it in there. Which one? What's it about? Oh, it's just about how Wagamama's sort of uh, just how much they love telling you the food might not come out at, at, at like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's not Woodstock. It's a fucking, it's a Wagamama in a shopping centre in Luton. It's like, oh yeah, like let's just try and make you feel like you're square for like. Can you handle that? It's like I can handle that, but I'd rather not wash my fucking cheesecake down with a big bowl of noodles. <laughs> so I think that will kind of work for me. Namaste, motherfuckers. What would you pick, Paul, as your Namaste, motherfucking life-changing moment? Well, I'd have to say it probably would be doing the Jill Edwards comedy course, you know, in terms of uh, a, a kind of moment in my life that changed the, the course. I don't know. I, I, I sort of have thought about this a couple of times, whether I would have ended up doing stand up anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, that certainly moved things along. Um, I was working in a call centre in Brighton. I had sort of started trying to get acting jobs hadn't got that many of them um and someone had seen that there was this course going on that I worked with going oh there's this stand-up course at Comedian Brighton you should go and do that so I went down and did that and that has you know from the day I stepped into that first lesson um my life took a different direction so and it got you out of the call centre or did the call centre kick you out what happened first (laughs) well yeah I got sacked from that one yeah yeah but um (laughs) I think you're nobody if you haven't been sacked from a call centre. I mean, that's part of it. I have been sacked from uh, (laughs) numerous call centres. And also, uh, I was thinking about this the other day, because this is something I've talked about but never quite got to work. But I... uh, I used to work at a bulb farm when I was young. Where you not light bulb? You mean not light bulb? Flower, bulbs. Flower so bulbs. Yeah, on a conveyor belt where you had to take pick the stones out as the the bulbs went past. Uh, and I got paid one pound fifty two an hour to do it and they sat they sacked me it's like how shit must what I exactly have been? did you do wrong on the bulb line? i just kept turning up late and just kind of you know mucking around and you know whatever but yeah i can't remember i was 16 so i mean what was that i'm 47 now so 31 years ago those jobs you do when you're that sort of age, I have done some shit. I, I used to drive an ice cream van around Salisbury Plain, yeah. selling ice cream to uh, army camps, basically on commission only. Mm. And I would drive around this van desperate to sell like a Vionetta to an old lady because you're selling and you've got to sell a lot of milk pops to make much money for you. You know, you're not even covering your petrol. And I look at that job and I'm like, I should be out for about 12 hours. And it was a hand hand turned wind you know chime there was no button you had to actually t- i'd be getting rsi in my bloody chime fingers oh, it was and you do those jobs and you're like oh my god that was like there was nowhere to get to the toilet i was like a 17 year old woman driving around army barracks and i'm like crying out an underage barmaid and camden market and you look at all those jobs you do but i do think that's probably made me better at all those jobs were kind of customer facing to use a wanky David Brent term and yeah. it does make you loads better when people are like you really know how to work a room it's like well I know how to read a room yes because that's how I made a living until I did this yes reading a room a lot of people that kind of came into this having had no you know straight out of university started yeah. doing stand-up and you go yeah but um oh man some of the stuff I think that's probably why I have 
done or put up with the circuit for so long because you know I have there was a there was an agency where uh, when I was growing up in Winchester where you would go you'd just turn up in the morning and they'd appoint you know they'd say right right so there was like an aerosol factory in Andover there was a mushroom factory uh, I think that was also in Andover there was like a watercress farm there was just all of these kind of that's the same place I was my, my ice cream van was through an agency in Andover I drove I drove around Salisbury Plain so I right. was also I was on that because I lived in I went to um, sixth form college in Salisbury so I right. was also on that same circuit of Friends Provident they were like did you never get one of those office jobs where you're too filing for Friends Provident life insurance Possibly. there was right. like hundreds of people who worked for the, in Salisbury and you'd go in and they'd give you like a pile of receipts that was like as high as a bloody you know table and you'd yeah. have to order them in date order and li- you'd be like I ca- it like mind numbingly and you didn't know whether to go slowly because then you wouldn't get given another boring job or try and get through it in the hope you might get something more interesting and, and I do think there's something to be said for having done those jobs in term- I know I sound like some old fucker going you know national service but it does sort of <laughs> it does mean that you'll put you won't be complaining about a three-hour drive to a gig yes and not quite getting the facilities you want or the audience yeah, yeah, yeah. you want yeah absolutely yeah so it's amazing yeah how easy it is to kind of earn a couple of hundred quid you know compared to even right at the end you know I was working in a call centre in Brighton when I first started doing this and that was you know it was there was commission and I was quite good at it so you know sort of but I mean it would depend on what you were selling so that by the end of it I was working on this thing where you were selling kind of like membership in a lottery set. I mean it was just unbelievable membership and you were doing that and then gigging at night so you must have been working I mean when I first started I would I, I would be sometimes finishing work going up to London every night of the week Getting back at one twenty. So you were travelling from Brighton to London for the Brighton gigs to London, as well. and yeah. also you know having a few beers on the way back yeah. and on you know at the gig and all the rest of it. So yeah. you know because they're getting up for work and yeah, I mean there was no surprise that I sort of got sacked. I was just turning up late, you know, knackered. Um, and that's the good thing about comedy; no one can sack you. I mean, you can just you know be the uh, you can orchestrate your own demise yes. for sure, but uh, no one has the right to go. That's it. You can fall no. out with a the promoter. There's many more. Yes, absolutely. And oh. um, yeah, and, and oddly, uh, well, not oddly, I mean, it was uh, as, as much as I sort of say that perhaps I have kind of like a bit of regret around kind of maybe not taking Edinburgh as serious as I could have done, you know, earlier on and all that sort of stuff. As far as a job goes, it's the best I've ever been at anything. And it's mm-hmm. the most reliable I've ever been at anything. Mm-hmm. And it's the most seriously I've taken anything you know education any job I've ever had this is the thing where I've actually you know as much as I could have applied myself more at times it's the most I've ever applied myself to anything it's the longest I've stuck at anything you know it's kind of I I play everywhere really I can't think of a gig you know that I don't do or can't do if you know so it's kind of um it's what some might describe as quite a successful career yeah yeah some you might not describe your own career as successful what is your favorite joke I don't, I don't know if this has been said in there. Well, firstly, I mean, uh, J- Julian Dean, who is uh, a comic that we both yeah. know, I mean, a lot of his jokes are, you know, Super. among my favourites. I mean, yeah. he's the most, I think for my money, he's the most quotable comic on the circuit. Yes. He has got some absolute belters. But probably my favourite joke is um, everyone laugh when I said I was going to be a stand-up comedian. They're not laughing now. Has, has someone oh, said that before? Yeah. No, they haven't. Oh. I, I, I often say that at the end of my, uh, my motivational speeches. I, I do attribute it to him uh, when I talk about getting into stand-up late. Yeah, yeah. Everybody it's said, an absolute yeah. belter. It's yeah. just such a, you know... A lot of his were belters, weren't they? I know everyone took the piss when he lost his joke book, but you look at when you start doing comedy, you're like, God, anyone who can write a neat 
joke in you know the sort of one I mean it's it's yeah. absolutely it's super it it's superb yeah. isn't yeah, it yeah. yeah yeah and what's your if there's one bit of life advice you could give to anyone listening what would it be I don't yeah I mean it's just a lot of the cliches really I suppose when, when I think about those it's sort of thinking about advice that I'd give to myself yeah really. what would it be um yeah just sort of I mean caring too much about what other people think is a big one you know mm-hmm. early on in your life things that you kind of like you know with the in the fullness of time how short life is obviously you know we are at an age where unfortunately you start to know people that have kind of passed on or whatever and it's um you 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 do realize i mean when you're young and people say life is short you're like what are you talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. and then you're like god this really is sort mm-hmm. of um and you know taking things that don't matter too seriously and you know not taking things that do matter seriously enough mm-hmm. um and um yeah i think <laughs> some of those things is that yeah <laughs> That was Paul McCaffrey. Every episode, as regular listeners will know, I pick a thing inspired by my guest that I am going to do. And this week, it has to be all about vinyl. I also do have a vinyl collection, not quite as impressive as Paul's. But what's less impressive is that my actual turntable has not been working for probably about a year. So I keep saying I'm going to sort it out. I'm bloody well going to sort it out. And then I'm going to do lots of hanging out, listening to vinyl this week. So that is it for this episode. Please, as one of your New Year's resolutions, resolve to listen to the podcast, like it, subscribe, review, generally make this as lovely a thing as it was for us in 2021. And we will be back in your feed as always next Monday when I will be talking to singer, songwriter Colette Cooper. I wouldn't give myself a deadline on that because then I think that puts pressure on you and it can block you creatively. Namaste Motherfuckers was written and presented by me, Callie Beaton, and produced by Mike Hanson and Karusha Dami for Pod People Productions with music by Jake Yap. I'm Callie Beaton. Until next time, and a very happy new year, motherfuckers. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.